Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Good morning. This first Sunday after Easter, we haven't had the chance to meet. My name is Christian. I'm one of the pastors here. And this week, I was thinking about Easter as I I, um, had my lily, that we had lilies up here, and I um, had paid for one for a friend of mine who had passed. I took it home, you know, and new ones, new flowers open, but um, uh, some of them... uh, they expired, shall we say, and uh, they needed to be plucked off. And that happens, you know. We, uh, we experience Easter. Many of us, we put away our pastel clothes that we might have worn on that day. Um, the candy goes away, or in the case of my wife and I, we completely overshot how much candy the kids wanted. We have to find a new home for that, and I brought some to the church. Um, I'm sure the youth will help us out with that. But the challenge is as we move past that day, how can we bring Easter into Monday and to Tuesday and all our days forward? And I was thinking about that and thinking about Pastor Robbie's message about Peter interacting with Jesus and how Peter um, had denied Christ but then was restored by Christ. And I was thinking that Peter is a great example of how we can bring Easter into the rest of our lives and to be transformed by that. And I want to just kind of... um, zoom in and see, or I guess zoom out and see Peter's life more completely and take a look at it and see how his life, his faith was really up and down along the way until he encountered the resurrected Christ. And so we have this uh, this little uh, faith-o-meter. It's this illustration that I found in a book, and if it's hard to read on the screen, I asked it to be in the bulletins, and you can perhaps look at it there. But What this is, is kind of a look at uh, Peter's life and his faith, because it has up and down. He leads with a big heart, and he has great intentions, but it's up and down. And so I just want to take a quick look at this. Um, Peter responds to Jesus' call to follow him. And uh, so his, his faith is up. He's leaning into that a little bit. And, and it doesn't say it on the, the chart there, but this is where he receives his name, Peter. He had been Simon, and Jesus gives him the name Peter, which is rock, or like rocky. Um, and um, not always, uh, rocks are not always attractive, but you're, they're solid. They're good for foundations that you can count on them. And so faith is up, but then Peter doubts the feeding of the 5,000. Um, his, uh, his faith is on the upswing when Jesus, after saying some challenging things and people leave, and then Jesus says, um, are you two going to leave to the disciples? Are you going to leave also? But Peter says, you have the words. Where, where, basically, where else can we go? But then um, Peter is afraid when he encounters Jesus on the w- walking on the water. He's afraid. But he asks to come out, and he walks on the water. And you can say his faith is up. 
as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. His faith goes down. It's, it's up and down, up and down with Peter. Um, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. You know, this whole conversation about um, Jesus asking, who do people say I am? And then he asks, who do you say I am? And he confesses that, that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, and so kind of a, a, a great high point there. In that, but that's the point when Jesus immediately starts to teach them about how the Messiah, the Christ, must suffer. And, Jesus, or, and Peter says that, no, no, basically, Jesus, you, you can't suffer. And Jesus responds, uh, get behind me, Satan. And, and it's, it's down again. Are you seeing the theme? It's up and down with Peter. Um, let me see. Peter um, does not want his feet to be washed by Jesus. But um, once Jesus says, if, you, if, uh, you, if I don't wash your feet, then you will have no part of me. And so then Peter wants to have not only his feet, but his hands and his head um, washed. It, it, it's up and down. Peter later that night pledges to be faithful no matter what. He's even willing to lay down his life for Peter. But then they go to the garden. Jesus asks him to pray and to hold vigil with him. But Peter falls asleep. And then even more than that, later that night, he um, denies Christ. As, as Jesus is on trial um, before the religious leaders, people ask Peter, um, aren't you one of his followers? And three times he denies him. It's rough. It's tough. Um, but then Peter meets the risen Christ, and his faith is restored. And, it go, and we heard about that last week. And then it goes on to preach boldly like a, bo a boss on, uh, on Pentecost Sunday. And it's really a huge turning point. And I, I bring this up to say that even with the best of intentions and leading in that way, um, our faith can be up and down. And this person, Rocky, that we have here that Jesus is going to use to help build the early church in significant ways. And he wants to lean on, use um, Peter as part of the foundation for the early church. Uh, his faith is up and down until he reaches this point of allowing Christ and his resurrection to completely transform his life. And I think that's the challenge for us, but I think it's inspiring. Um, sometimes we think of, of people in the Bible, people of faith in the Bible, that they are just always rock solid, and they are these examples that are impossible to meet up to, that they're unattainable. But I think as we look at Peter, and we can see Scripture has been honest about him, and that it is up and down, that he's not perfect but when he encounters Christ, he is transformed. And so we want to look at this. We've got, this is kind of the, the scope of his early life up to encountering the resurrected Christ. And I want to look at our passage today, which is kind of zeroing in on an incident where we can see him living out faith. Our passage is Acts chapter 3. There's no verse numbers there because it's the whole chapter, because it is just so good um, that we want to take a look at the whole thing. And um, we can see how 
Peter as living into this Easter faith. So hear the word of God for us. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for, from those going into the temple courts. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. When he saw Peter and John were about to enter, he asked them for money. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. Now, my fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That time of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel and all the prophets who have spoken, have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to, to you to bless you by turning each, turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that you have given it to us, that we have access to it, that we can know you through it. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit be here and open it up to us, that we would know and love you more and more, that we would be able to bring Easter not only into today, but all of our days. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So a fascinating account here. Um, Peter is post-Pentecost um, going to the temple with John and others. We are at a unique point in the book of Acts where they are, um, the Christians are meeting there in the temple. And this actually is the hit, a significant hinge point for the early church. Basically, um, the church was... Uh, for the most part, Jews from, um, from around the world because of Pentecost. There have been people in Pente- at the temple on the day of Pentecost prior to this, and the church went from 120 in the morning to 3,000 by the end of Pentecost day. But they were meeting and they were going into the temple courts. And we have this incident, though, and if you go home and you read Acts chapter 4, you'll see the religious leaders react very strongly against this. And this is where the persecution comes, and this is where there starts to be a distinction between the Jewish um, religious practice and, uh, and the Christians and that early church. This is that hinge point where, uh, where things pivot. But we have this incident and this miraculous thing. And Peter is making it clear that it's not by his power. It's not by his godliness. He is just letting God work through him in an amazing way. And he uses this opportunity and uses this res- the response to this um, amazing thing uh, to convey the message. It, the, the, there was such a response because the people knew this person hung out at the beautiful gate on the way up to the temple. And they knew that um, something significant had happened. Our, the, the book of Acts is written by Luke, and who we know by trade was a physician, and he gives us, with physician's eyes, uh, recognition of what had happened here, that basically uh, this was a congenital um, issue. From birth, this man had problems with his ankles and with his legs, and he was now 40 years old. And so he's, it's, like, um, it's like Luke is writing out the chart here of what's going on, um, and talks about how Peter uses the right hand to raise him up and uh, help him, and he's instantly healed. In the midst of this, the people recognize this and wonder about it. But Peter speaks into the situation and lets them know that it is Christ who is working through him. And um, in recognizing that the people uh, had rejected Jesus in a variety of different ways. This is not that long from those events of the crucifixion. And he calls them to account as we all are called to account. We, in many, so many different ways, we turn from Christ. We reject Christ as well. Peter points out four different ways that they 
rejected Christ, disowned him. They asked for a murderer instead. All, all these different ways. And it can be a challenge for us to admit that we have denied Christ in various ways in our life. But Peter holds out the hope and the new way that we can have in Christ and tells us that there's a new way forward, that, that Christ being crucified and being resurrected does something amazing. It wipes out sin. It wipes out our debt. And I don't know if you've ever had a debt. I don't know if you've ever been uh, um, forgiven something that you really, you had done it, you deserved it, uh, uh, and had it forgiven. Uh, it can be a powerful thing. I know when people have forgiven me when I've done something wrong, it can be very powerful and you can be so appreciative. But that's what Peter is saying here is that through Christ we can have our sins wiped out. The, it's something from the, from the first century. They had ink just like we have ink, but their ink seemed to not have acid in it like ours does. It's hard to wipe away the, um, the writing because it, it, in some sense, bites into the paper. But back in the first century, um, they didn't have that acid, and so it actually was possible to wash it away. And I think that's part of the image here is that we can have our sins washed away. But it's not just that. Peter also says something. He says that there is a refreshing that comes from the Lord. What a beautiful image, the refreshing. What's the most refreshing thing you can think of? I don't, I don't know. A, a cold drink on a hot summer's day, um, a dip in the pool, um, a full night's sleep. Some people, uh, it's hard to sleep all night, I know. And we, the, on those uh, lucky mornings, on those blessed mornings, you wake up and you slept all the way through, and you're like, oh, I feel so much better, refreshed. Um, or I know when I go on a missions trip to, you know, like Central America and I come back and I've taken showers along the way, but when I come home and I take a shower in my shower and clean, it's probably like the longest shower I take all year. Um, but I just feel refreshed afterwards. It's so nice. Uh, it feels so good. Whatever that refreshment is, even more so the refreshment we can have from God by the forgiveness of our sins. What a beautiful image. And then there's this image that Peter also says that God may send the Messiah to restore all things. Another beautiful image. I don't know uh, what, um, what experiences you have had of restoration. I don't know if anything ever happened to your house and it had to be restored or a car had a fender bender and it, you know, it was damaged and you take it to the professionals and they restore it or you know, something happens, it, something's made right and put right again and how wonderful that is. If it's your home, you can feel at peace again. Um, it's this image. So, wow, Peter conveying this, that we have this in Christ, that this is available to us. These were available to Peter before, but his faith was up and down and all over. But how do we let this impact us? How do we bring our Easter faith forward into our everyday? That was Peter's challenge, and that's our challenge. 
Um, in the book by Dallas Willard called Renovation of the Heart, uh, Dallas Willard, who is a Christian thinker and a university professor, sadly he passed a few years ago, but he talks about how to bring kind of an Easter faith into the rest of our lives. My words, not his. But he talks about the dimensions of human life. He talks about them, that there's the thought aspect of our life. It involves the images, the concepts, the judgments, the inferences that we make. There's the feelings that we have, our sensations and our emotions. There's the choice aspect of our life, dealing with our will, our decision, our character. There's our body, our action, our interaction with the physical world, our social context, our relationships, how we relate with one another. And there's our soul, which brings all of these together. The challenge is to let the resurrected Christ impact all of these different areas. And if, if Christ is only impacting our thoughts, it's not going to lead to a complete change, a complete um, reprioritization, not a new paradigm. It's possible to know all kinds of things. You can know every detail. You can memorize the Gospels. You could memorize the Bible, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily impacting your feelings, your choices, your body, your social context. We need to let Christ penetrate all the areas of our life. And when um, Peter encountered Christ, the resurrected Christ, I think he was finally able to go through a process where um, this, his faith was impacted on all levels and all dimensions of his life, and it made a significant difference in it. And his, the trend of his life, back to our faith meter, um, continued up. And it wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect in this life. Um, but it, he went in a significant way. He, it, obviously, we have this incident from Acts, but it goes on from there. He does several different things. He goes and he preaches to Cornelius later in the book of Acts. Cornelius was not a Jew. Uh, he was a God-fearer, someone that respected God, but um, was not Jewish by heritage or religious practice. Um, and was, not only that, he was a Roman, and not just a Roman, he was a soldier, and not just a soldier, he was a centurion. Um, and he was um, in charge of all these people. But, but Peter goes and brings the gospel to him and, um, and crosses these divides, goes against religious um, um, conventions and religious boundaries, goes against ethnic boundaries, crosses those and moves in a significant way. He's leaning out with faith. And this type of thing of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians coming together, and can they be together, this led to a conflict in the early church. And if you go a little bit later in the book of Acts, in Acts 15, you can see the first very serious church fight. Uh, it was, uh, we call it the Jerusalem Council, but this, this idea of bringing Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians together, and can we just be the same before Christ, was a controversial idea for some. But Peter testified to what he had seen God doing, and he helped guide that Jerusalem council to recognize that Gentile Christians do not have to convert to Judaism to be Christians. It was a significant thing. 
significant thing. I'm guessing for most of us, if we don't have any Jewish heritage in our background, um, that's good news for us. Because if it had gone the other way, we would have had to convert to Judaism before we became Christians. So thank you. Yes, that's good. All right? If we can come to Christ as we are, uh, how wonderful that is. And it continues on. But Peter wasn't perfect. As none of us are perfect. And that's why we continue to confess our sins in our worship services here. There comes a point, we read about it in the book of Galatians, Paul has to confront Peter. This, this conflict um, about Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians coming together, Paul um, has to confront Peter because Peter was sharing table fellowship with um, all the Christians in Antioch. But then some people come in and have an influence on Peter, and he starts withdrawing and stops sharing meals with Gentile Christians. And Paul calls them out. He says, hey, Peter, what's the deal? So in some sense, Peter's faith had dipped there a bit, but he was restored. He was restored. And he continued on and did many different things and continued to be faithful, having his life transformed fully and completely. And though it's not in Scripture what we have, and we think it's fairly reliable in church tradition, there came a day when Peter was in Rome, and he was convicted to die, and he was crucified. And he finally got led to that place that he did not necessarily want to go. This is prophesied in that passage from last week, John 21. He was led to be crucified in Rome. Faithfully, his faith living out, having been completely transformed. It's a challenge for us. How do we bring this Easter faith into all the various aspects? Leading with just a, a, uh, a good, good intentions and a good heart doesn't do it. That got Peter in a number of difficult situations, even having him uh, be told by Jesus, get behind me, Satan. Because it wasn't, his heart wasn't in alignment with what Jesus was doing. So we need to figure that out for ourselves. We need to let the risen, resurrected Christ impact all those various areas of our life, that we can experience this, and we can experience that wiping away of sin, that we can experience the refreshment that comes from God and the restoration, those beautiful things. And it's transformative. And while we still have some vestiges of Easter here, those, that'll go away here one day. But the challenge is in our hearts, as in that passage from Joel, that our hearts would be rendered. That we would give our hearts completely over and be transformed. And it's a worthy challenge and a, a worthy calling. And it's a way to lead into forgiveness and refreshment and restoration. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, we ask that you would move in our lives. Lord, we open up our lives to you, all the various aspects, our thought life, our emotions, our, our social contexts, um, our, our bodies, everything, Lord. We give them over to you, Lord. We want to have you impact all of who we are. We thank you for the offer of forgiveness and, and refreshment and restoration, Lord. We want to lean into that and experience that more and more. Experience a transformed life. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, ooh, ooh.